Hallelujah. All the time, God is good. It's not just a cliche. It's actually real. God is good. He actually is good. And he does good. And he's good to all. Even people who don't realize that God is good to them, God is still good to them. A lot of people today are walking around this planet and God is good to them and they have no clue that it's God. Hallelujah. But you and I know that God is good and that's why we continue to give him all the praise. And give him all the honor. Give him all the glory. Amen. We don't take credit for ourselves. We don't take any glory for ourselves. Amen. We stay humble before him. And when you and I humble ourselves, he'll exalt us in due time. Amen. 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 All right, well, let's get into the word of God tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go to the book of Hebrews, please. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Thank you, Lord. Were you all blessed by the word on Sunday? All right, thank you. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Hebrews 4, and we're going to read verses 14 through 16. When you get it, say amen. Amen. All right, Hebrews 4, verse 14 through 16. Okay, let's read that together tonight. Ready, read. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Again, verse 15 says, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Everybody say weaknesses. Weaknesses. With our weaknesses. So all of us have weaknesses. Would you agree with that? So since that's the case, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, why? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need or in time of weakness. Amen? Now I want to talk on the subject, grace in time of need. Grace in time of need. Father, thank you so much for blessing us with the opportunity we have to spend this time in your word. I pray, Father, that each and every one of these, your your people, those that are here, those that are tuned in online, those that will be watching later on. I pray, Father, that each and every one of us have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive what you will say to us tonight. I pray that, God, you, you will speak things through me that I have not already heard, and let, let me think things that I have not already thought, Father. Let me, let me hear things, Father, that I have not already heard before, and I pray that as I minister the word of God, that your grace consumes me and that your grace fills your people tonight so that, God, each and every one of us will be blessed with the word of God, we pray in Jesus' name. So be it. Amen. amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Grace in time of need. All right, we've been talking about grace for the last three services. And uh, this is, I, as far as I know, the last one we'll do with this subject matter. Although we could never exhaust uh, the subject area of grace because... You remember that uh, Paul called grace in 2 Corinthians 9.15 an indescribable gift. An indescribable gift. 
But I talked to you, I gave you a definition of grace, my definition, if you allow that, where we call grace divine enablement, divine enablement. We also said grace is God's ability gift. I'm about to say God's ability gift. We said it, it's the power from God to perform beyond natural ability. The power from God to perform beyond natural ability. Amen. Amen. Thank God for his grace, for a power beyond our power. Because we just read we all have weaknesses. And so your power as smart and as cute and as intellectual and as well-versed as you may be, you are not going to ever have enough in you of your own to deal with the situation that you'll face in life. So you must have a power that's beyond your power. You must have an ability that's beyond your ability. If not, life will choke you out. You got this? Okay. So again, we've been looking at our base. We started in two Sundays ago with 2 Corinthians 9, 14, where Paul talked about uh, the exceeding grace of God in you. So we have exceeding grace of God in us. I gave you that Greek word for exceeding, uh, hyperbolo, which means to throw beyond. So God gives us a grace, an ability to go beyond whatever situation that we're in, right? And that grace he called an indescribable gift. So God's ability at work in us means that it's more than enough, exceeding grace. That's what his name is all about, exceeding grace. It's more than enough to overcome, to outdo, to outlast any situation. Any storm you face, any difficulty, difficulty that you uh, encounter, any sort of trial or tribulation that you come up against, there's enough on the inside of you, if you and I know how to tap into what's inside of us, to outlast, outdo, overcome any situation. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Is that what it says? Blessed is the man who endures. Good thing it didn't say blessed is the man who enjoys temptation. It said blessed is the man who endures temptation. Because not, nobody, in, nobody really enjoys temptation, this testing and trial. Nobody enjoys going through difficult circumstances. But you have something in you that will give you the ability to endure it, to outlast it. Y'all got it? All right, so God... We're talking about God's ability gift. Everybody say, say God is able. God is able. Okay? Now that's what's on the inside of you. God is able. In fact, that's, that's something that you and I as believers need to make sure we have as a part of our everyday vernacular. God is able. We need to have that in our bank. God is able. Tell somebody next to you, God is able. In other words, no matter what you're dealing with, God is able. And no matter what you've been diagnosed with, God is able. No matter what the prognosis is for your financial situation, God is able. No matter what bad news you hear tonight, tomorrow, next week, next year, God is able. No matter how long it's been, no matter how far it's gone, God is still able. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. That's what gives me uh, peace, knowing that God is able. Hallelujah. Would y'all believe pastors go through stuff? Yes. Do y'all believe pastors go through stuff? 
Because some people have this, this misconception that pastors have everything perfect laid out. Like we don't have to buy gas and buy bread and buy, you know, water and pay rent and pay lights and everything. Like we just got it made in the shade. No, no, no. Pastors have to live life just like you have to live life. Hallelujah. We got to pray just like you got to pray. More so because we got to pray for us and you. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. And so we have to know that God is able. God is able. Thank you, Lord. Second Chronicles 20, 25, verse 9. Second Chronicles 25, verse 9. When, when the king, <laughs> some of y'all just, just saw this, King Amaziah, in your lesson. When he was confronting an army, and he went out and hired some help from another, from another country. And all of a sudden, here comes the man of God. Notice what it says to him. Amaziah said to the man of God, because the man of God told him, hey, don't, don't use these, these men because the Lord ain't with them. And he said, but wait a minute. What, what should I do about the hundred talents which I have given to the troops of Israel? In other words, I spent a lot of money to get these men. I hired these men to come help us. But notice what the man of God answers him. The Lord is able to give you much more than this. Somebody say the Lord is able. I'm telling you, when my wife and I were uh, coming out of debt, this is a scripture that blessed us. This helped us a whole lot because when it came time, we, we decided to send vehicles back, a vehicle back. We could pay for it. We were paying for it. The people begging us, keep it. You're not behind. And we said, no, we're coming out of debt. We're going to send it back and let y'all have it. They told us, just drive it around. We drove around another two more months. They said, don't make a payment. Just, just take it. Just, you're, we, you're a good customer. We, un, we know we're good customers. <laughs> but we're coming out of debt. Decision we made. And, and I struggled with that until this scripture got a hold of me. That the Lord said, I'm able to give you much more than this. So what we were releasing would not compare to what God would have us receive. The Lord is able to give you much more than this. Daniel 3, 17. Three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Abednego, they're going to be thrown in a fiery furnace because they refuse to bow down to the system. I'm digging at you. They refuse to bow down to the system. I said they refuse to bow down to the system. They refuse to compromise to the system. Hallelujah. And the, the king threatens to throw them in the fire. In fact, he said, I'm going to throw you in the fire. That was a threat for anybody. And because they refused, he said, you know what? I like you, boys, but I'm going to turn this fire up seven times hotter. And if you guys don't bow down, I'm going to throw you in. When you hear this music, if you don't bow down, I'm going to throw you in. And watch what these guys said. They said, listen, king, if that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fire furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Somebody say, God is able. God is able. See, we got to get this in our mind, God is able, because we're going to talk about that grace tonight, that ability gift from God. So when you and I tap into this ability gift from God, we got to remember that God is able, and he puts his ability inside of us and whenever we tap into that ability, no matter what we're facing, it doesn't matter if, if we got to send something back or if we're facing a fiery furnace for saying, I, I, don't, I disagree with homosexuality. See, some, some of y'all might be scared to say that. They ask you, well, how do you feel? Uh, I don't feel any kind of way. I know what the Bible says. 
I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. I'm going to be bold about it. Now, I love you. I love you. I'm going to treat you with respect and courtesy. But I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. The Bible is right. Well, we're going to fire you. Well, you just have to, if you want to fire me, you can, but God is able to take care of me. I say God is able to take care of me. Glory to God. So you can't be scared. Matthew 3, verse 9. This is what Jesus says. Jesus was dealing with all the Pharisees and the religious folk who wouldn't bow down and, and who wouldn't accept him as a savior. And they're thinking that they had it all great under, under Abraham. We're Abraham's children. We serve, you know, under Moses' law. And God says, Jesus says this, and do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. He said, don't, don't, don't get all bent on that because you think Abraham's your father. He says, for I say to you, watch this, that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. He's on a mountainside looking at rocks and saying, listen, if God wants to, he can turn these stones into children. I think y'all missed that. God is able to turn these rocks into children. Now, if, if God can raise up children from stones, you don't think he can turn water into wine and... Come on now. You don't think he can turn something, some inanimate object? I mean, Jesus is telling, telling us that God is able to do anything. He can turn these stones into people. Does it make more sense to you when he says that if these shall hold their peace, the rocks will cry out? How's a rock going to cry out? He can turn rocks into people. I'm going to come over here. I'm going to see if I'm in the faith crowd. He can turn rocks into people. If these shall hold their peace, the very rocks will cry out. I can't imagine a rock crying out. No, he'll turn them into people. That's how able he is. That's how able your God is. That's the power of exceeding grace. Hallelujah. Well, we know, we know, we know, even the devil knows that, deep. The devils came to Jesus Christ after he's hungry. He'd been fasting and says, if you be the son of God, because he knows what God can do. He says, so if you be the son of God, turn these rocks into bread. He knew he could do it. Jesus didn't say, well, I can't do that. Jesus said, man, get out of here. You asked me something I can't do. He said, no, listen, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, he answered him, I could do it, but we don't live by bread alone. Are y'all catching that? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He can do anything. Okay, so we're talking about his ability, this grace of God. So when you and I begin to lean on God's ability, I showed you here uh, Sunday, I believe it was, that you and I can reign in life. Right? We reign in life, and life should never rule over us. Life should never rule over you. You don't let life dictate things to you. You don't let happenstance happen. No, you 
dictate to life. You're the prophet of your own life. You command your own day. Hallelujah. You're supposed to be a king in life, reigning and ruling as kings. Y'all got this. Now, we looked at Romans 5.17, where Paul says this. He said, those who receive, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will do what? Reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Through the one Jesus Christ. Okay? So when you and I have an abundance of grace, remember we're exceeding grace. And I, I know we are, we are exceeding grace, but I meant to say we have exceeding grace. <laughs> okay. Okay. We are exceeding grace, but you, it's because you have exceeding grace. So we have, we qualified in this verse right here. Right? Okay. Do you have the gift of righteousness? Yes. God made him who knew no sin, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So we have already the gift of righteousness, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. And so we have an abundance of grace. So now we are supposed to reign in life through Christ Jesus. So nothing in life is supposed to ever overwhelm us. Okay? Now, now, I reign. Everybody say, I reign in life. I reign in life. Okay? Now, let's look at 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. It's a familiar scripture to most folk in the church, even if they misquote it. And most people in the church, guess what? Misquote it. Most folk in the church say things like, you know, God will ever put more on you than you can bear. How many ever heard that? Yes. God will ever put more on you than you can bear. How many of you know the Bible does not say that? It's not what it says. But let's see what it does say. Paul says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is what? But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. So he's not the one putting it on you. He's not the one tempting you. James 1 says, let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt any man with evil. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. And when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin when it's finished, it brings forth death. It's James chapter 1, right? So here, let no man say when he is, oh, I'm going, going back, uh, Put it back up here. No temptation has overtaken you, such as except such as is common to man. Now, this temptation, I don't want you to limit this to sin. That temptation, you look it up in the Greek, it'll, it'll allude to testings and trials. Okay? And it's common to us. What you're going through is no, no more rare than what your neighbor's going through. You're not that special. I know you feel like you're special with what you're going through. But you're not that special. Okay? You're just the only one crying so hard about it. You're the only one that's going to quit church about it. So it's common to man. And notice it didn't even say common to Christians. 
It said common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way, make the way of escape. Why? That you may be able to bear it. So he'll make the way of escape so you can be able to bear it. So to bear up under temptations and tests and trials. So what you're going through is not uncommon and is also not, um, not overwhelming. No, you have something that he gives you. It says he will, all, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you are able. So what happens is with the temptation, he gives you an, a, an infusion of grace so you can endure the temptation. And not quit. And not draw back. But you got to tap into it. You have to access that grace. Walk in that grace. Lean on that grace. Y'all got this here. Now I want to keep, keep going here because I told you that this temptation isn't limited to sin. But even with sin, I got to deal with sin in this holiness church, right? Even sin can't rule over us if we rely on grace. Just hold on to your belt buckle there. Even sin can't rule over us. Sin is not supposed to rule over us. Tell your neighbor, sin is not supposed to rule over you. You can't go around saying, I'm just a man. Oh, come closer, y'all. You can't go around just saying, you know, I, I can't help myself. What do you mean you can't help yourself? What are you, a baby? What are you, some little child? You can't help yourself. No, what happened to grace? I'm just, I'm just a man. First of all, you're not just a man. Not when you're born again. When you're born again, you have a new nature. You are partakers of his divine nature. So you are not just a man or just a woman. Well, you know, I just, I got these feelings. I got these needs. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. The Bible says, my God will supply all your needs. The Father knows you have need of these things before you ask him. So he knows the things you need. So if you get into a sin, it ain't about a need. It's a lust. Well, I better move on from that part here. Romans 6.14 tells us something here. Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin shall not run your life. Now, it used to. Come on now. How many of y'all know it used to? How many of y'all testify it used to? Sin used to run my life. Because, you know, you were born in sin. You were born in, I know, I know you're cute and fine and sexy and fox and all that kind of good stuff. And you got good gray hair. But, you know, you were born in sin. Dressed down to your ankles now. But you were born in sin. 
out somebody. You were born in sin. You were, you were good at it. Good at evil. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It had dominion over you. Back then, you couldn't help it. Back then, you couldn't help it. Oh, I can start smoking weed and jump I want to. No, you couldn't. You couldn't. You couldn't. You couldn't. You couldn't start smoking. You were smoking to get up, smoking to lay down, smoking to relax. You couldn't. You couldn't help yourself. Drinking, you're hitting, I mean, everything you was doing. Taking them late night phone calls. You know them late night phone calls. There's another name for them. I'm not, not going to say the name of the late, late night phone calls. I'm going to just call it late night phone calls. Rhymes with Rudy Tootie Fresh and Fruity. <laughs> okay. Late night phone calls. But now, but now, sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under or no longer under law, but under grace. So now that you're under God's ability, now sin can't dominate you. If you sin now, it's because you wanted to. Glory to God. Brethren, I write these, these things to you that you might not sin. That you might not sin. But if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. 1 John 2, 1. Right? So we have, we have a way to, to not walk in that kind of stuff. Amen? Now, so what this means is grace then, listen, make sure you understand this because a lot of bad teaching out there, and even, even if people aren't teaching it out of their mouths, they're teaching it by their examples. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace does not free you to sin. See, there are people who teach this thing that, that this, this really is this um, uh, the Nicolaitan doctrine. Yes. Y'all read Revelation. You read about the Nicolaitans yes. over in chapters two and three. And God says, I, "I hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans." The Nicolaitan doctrine is such that they disconnect their spirits from their bodies. And their belief is what I do with my body, it has no bearing on my spirit. And there are people in the church of God today who think that you can operate with your body one way and it has no bearing on your spirit. But the Bible says, do you not know that to whoever you yield your members to obey, you are that one's servants to obey? So if you yield your members, your physical body, to obey something or someone, you are that one's servants to whom you obey. Now you, your spirit, soul, and body now belong to that one you obey. That's true. Hallelujah. 
So grace doesn't free us to sin. Grace frees us from sin. I said grace doesn't free us to sin. Grace frees us from sin. Okay? Now, now we're talking about dominion. We're talking about reigning in life. Okay? Because if I'm free now from sin, then I'm also free from death. Okay? Yeah, sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. But you read Romans 8, 2, and it says the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, come on, has made me free from the law of sin and death. So sin and death work together. Sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. Right? Romans 6, 23, is that right? Yes, sir. So wage of sin is death. So sin and death go together. So if you and I are free from sin, then we must also be free from death. And all the agents of death. Sickness is an agent of death. The devil does not come to steal, make sick, and destroy. He comes to steal and kill and destroy. So when you get a sickness, you say, the devil, the devil trying to make me sick. He's not trying to make you sick. He's trying to kill you. <laughs> Glory to God. That's why I tell my dear sister, don't, 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 don't say devil bring it on. You, just, you, don't, you don't want to do that. You don't, don't invite the devil to come and bring stuff to you because he's going to come whether you invite him or not. He's your adversary. You better be ready because he is coming just to show. But when he comes, he's not coming to make you sick. He's coming to kill you. When he's coming, he's not coming just to disrupt your marriage. He's coming to kill you. He comes to still kill and destroy, you see. So everything that, everything that we encounter is an agent of death. Fear is an agent of death. Put up uh, Hebrews um, 2... Uh, 14. Let's try 2.14. Hebrews 2.14. Yeah. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus, this, talk about Jesus here, likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. Go to, go to verse uh, 15. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. They weren't reigning in life. People who live in fear are not reigning in life. It's, it's, just, it's just sad sometimes. You see people, they ride down the street in the car by themselves, and they fully masked, face shield on, fully. you by yourself, sister. Three masks on in the car by yourself. I'm like, how you breathe? You, you scared of yourself? In your car. I'm like, what's wrong with you? What happened? They're in bondage. No, I'm just protecting myself. No, you're in bondage. You're afraid to die. People say, I don't fly because I'm scared to fly. You're not scared to fly. You're scared to die. Flying has never killed anybody. That's when the plane crashes. 
when it stopped flying. People, ah, I can't get in no boat. Boy, it's too much water to drink. Stay in the boat. Unless you see Jesus and he say, come, stay in the boat. And you know it's Jesus. <laughs> Amen. So fear of death brings bondage. You can't rule in life when you're afraid of death. Because you're afraid of death, you're afraid of all the little things that can cause you to die. Hallelujah. I remember hearing this a couple years ago. The Lord said to me, he said, there's a million ways to die. There's only one way to live. It's by faith. There's a million ways to die. I messed around years ago. I watched this movie. I watched a couple of these movies, and I was, it was so dumb. A movie called Final Destination. I, I, I didn't mean to let it come out because somebody's somebody going to go home and Google it. Don't Google it and don't watch the movie. Any one of them. It'll have you scared to drive, scared to, scared to sit down, scared to go to sleep, scared to walk. Scared to run, scared to call somebody on the phone, because you call, oh my God. Oh God. <laughs> Some of y'all have seen that movie or the series. Praise the Lord. So now let's go back to Romans 5:17 here. Now look at it this time in the contemporary English version. Romans 5:17 in the CEV. Look at what it says here in Romans 5, 17, CV. It says, death ruled like a king because Adam had sinned. So death ruled as, like a king. But that cannot compare with what Jesus Christ has done. God has treated us with his undeserved grace, and he has accepted us because of Jesus. And so we live, we will live and rule like kings. So this is how God wants you and me to live, to live and rule like kings. I'm a king in life. Say it, I'm a king in life. I rule and live like a king. But we got to come up to that, don't we? All right, now, so we can't allow anything to dominate our soul, dominate our, our, our souls, our bodies. Hallelujah. Our families, our, our finances. Don't let any agent of the devil dominate any part of our lives, okay? Because we have the grace of God available to us to help us in any situation that we face, okay? Now, I want you to write this down. I want you to write this down if you're taking, if you're taking notes. If not, you can get it later on. Wherever there is a deficiency, grace makes up the difference. Wherever there is a deficiency, grace makes up the difference, And that's very important because you and I will all have at some point or another in some area of our lives or another deficiency. Deficiency. Or another word you can substitute for deficiency, insufficiency. I remember years ago back when people used to write checks. Some of y'all still write checks, huh? Okay. <laughs> all, all the 40s and above still write checks. 
I'm just scanning. Well, I don't write checks at all. Yeah, I've, I've written check, checks in probably nine, ten years I've written a check. Gen- not, not generally. Well, the bank gave me a couple of little starter checks. I did that, but that's just because they gave them to me. <laughs> um, but we remember something called NSF, insufficient funds, right? Praise God. So that was just an example, and you hated to get that stamp on your check. Hated when that check came back to you in the mail. It would be even worse if they put that check up on the board behind the counter at, a, at, at your local convenience store you went to. Don't take no more checks from him. <laughs> I, remember, I remember it got, what they got slick on us earlier days, Walmart, they started running a check right there. Like, hold on, no, 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 I need a time to get to the bank. Hold on. <laughs> and I remember that when they first started doing that. I need, I need three days. Hold on. I'm trying to beat the check to the bank. <laughs> but it's important for you and me to know that wherever there is a deficiency, grace makes up the difference. Okay? And that's important because you and I are going to have deficiencies. Even, even, if, even if we have enough sufficiency for our current status, our current level, our current situation, the next thing God's going to take you into is going to require more grace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I have some good news for you. Ooh, thank you, Holy Spirit. James 4, verse 6. Because I just told you wherever you're going to go in God's going to require more grace. Here's the good news. But he gives more grace. Oh, say, say that he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He resists the one who thinks they can do it on their own. He resists. You don't ever want God resisting you. It's one thing for God to not welcome you, but to resist you. Means he's putting, y'all remember that we used to When God resists you, He's saying, get back 50 feet. Now watch. God resists the proud. The proud person is the one who thinks they can do it on their own. I'm the baller shot caller, and I can, I can make it happen. But the one who's humble says, God, I need you. God, I can't make it without you. God, I can't do this without you. I can't breathe without you. I can't live without you. I can't function without you. I can't be a good husband or a good wife or a good parent. I, 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 I can't be a good stylist or whatever I am. With, I can't do anything without you. God, I need you. And when you say, God, I need you, and you depend on him, it says he gives grace to you. He gives an ability to you to make up for the insufficiency that you had before he gave it to you. Can somebody say Amen. Glory to God. That's good preaching right there. If not for just that little 15 seconds, that's good pre- 15 seconds worth of good preaching. He gives more grace. He gives more grace. 
Remember I told you this a couple weeks ago. Uh, he gives us, every one, uh, every one of us, a, a, a grace according to the measure. So a measure of grace. But the good thing is he gives more grace. Well, how do we get more faith? Faith comes by hearing him by the word of God. Well, how do you get more grace? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He'll exalt you in due time. The higher you want to go, the lower you got to get. How many of y'all want to be independently wealthy? You know how you get, get independently wealthy? Become dependent on God. Totally dependent on God. Y'all missed the... You become totally dependent on God. God, if you don't do it, it won't get done. God, if you don't bless me, I don't want it. That's, that, that's what Moses said. God, Moses said, God, we know, we know you said you're going to send us into this land, but if you don't go, I ain't going. I'm not going to a promised land without you, God. I'm not going to a land of milk and honey without you. I'm not going to a land with vineyards and trees and, 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 and pools and without you. I'm not going there without you. Because without you, I'm nothing. Without you, I can do nothing. Without you, I'm not going to last. God, I'm depending on you. And when you get like that, he gives more grace. You want more grace? Humble yourself. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Wherever there is deficiency, grace makes up the difference. Grace makes up the difference. So you have some grace now. But the bigger, the bigger the chasm, the bigger the space between where you are and where God wants you to be, the more grace you need. I, need, oh, I don't know, I need more money. Well, you need more grace. Grace may manifest money, but he also may, may manifest wisdom. Come on, the Bible says wisdom is defense and money is defense. But, but the advantage of wisdom or knowledge is that it gives life to its owners. Thank you, they put it on the screen. That's Ecclesiastes 7, verse 12. For wisdom is a defense, as money is a defense, but the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Now, let's go back to Hebrews 4, please. Hebrews 4. Because wherever there's a deficiency, grace makes up the difference. Wherever you're lacking in your life, Hallelujah. You ever had a situation say, well, Lord, I don't know if I can make it. Lord, I don't, I don't know if I can make it through this. Put up a Psalm 61 uh, verse 1. Psalm 61 verse 1. Hear my cry, O God. I'm, I'm going to go through the couple verses. Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. Watch this. Here's the humility. When my heart is overwhelmed. Anybody here ever been there? When my heart is overwhelmed, come on, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Take me higher than I can get on my own. I 
need, I need to step on a rock of grace. I need to step on something that's going to get me a better outlook, a better, a better view. A place above the fray. So wherever you're deficient, this is what happens when your heart is overwhelmed. It's because you're deficient. I mean, stuff is just beating on you. I know none of y'all haven't been through this, I mean, many times, but just had like wave after wave is hit. Boom. Boom. Crashing waves. Boom. When that happens, I mean, I mean, you, you, got, you got enough money to, you know, one tire blow out. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you got you enough in you if, 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 you know, one little thing goes, get one little bad report. Okay, I can fix this. And in fact, can I, can I talk to the men for a second? I said, can I talk to the men for a second? This is very important, men, because men, we are naturally wired as fixers. Fixers, F-I-X-E-R-S. Fixers, which means we are, we are wired to, when we see a problem to, to try and fix it on our own. So many times it's hard for men to humble ourselves and tap into grace because we're so conditioned. Look how y'all looking at me. We're so conditioned to try to fix the problem on our own. I'm going to find some man who knows what I'm talking about. That's why sometimes when, you, when your wife or your kids come telling you something and they, you, you, go, you immediately, you're not even, not even really listening to what they're saying. You're already in fix-it mode. <laughs> Glory to God. My daughter one time came home and told, told us that some little girl at school had bitten her on the back. And I didn't even, I didn't even listen to the part that the girl was in second grade. And I'm already, boy, I'm already at the school. I'm, I'm at the school already. I'm going to fix it. I call in the principal, the teacher, the janitor, the cafeteria worker, everybody. Come on, get in here. We're going we gonna to fix the situation right here. <laughs> Where's she at? That's not like, wait, which one is it? I'm about to <laughs> I, I just embarrassed myself. Embarrassed my wife, embarrassed my daughter, everybody. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We're fixits. We're, we're, we're fixers. We're fixers. And what you, you and I got to realize, men, is that, we used to sing the song, Jesus will fix it. After a while. Hallelujah. How do we get more grace? Humble ourselves. Lord, I need you to fix this. Hallelujah. When your heart is overwhelmed, you need God to, to step in. He doesn't want us living overwhelmed lives. Okay, go back to, go to Hebrews uh, 4. Hebrews 4. Okay. Hebrews 4. I don't know what time I start. I still have 60 minutes on the clock. Man. <laughs> Hebrews 4. You know, we read about, in verse 14 to 16, 16 talks about um, go before the throne of grace, right? But let's, I want you to look back at first at verses 9 through 11. Look at verse 9. Hebrews 4 and verse 
9. Are you there? There remains, therefore, what? A rest for the people of God. Somebody say rest. Rest. Now, rest is, is a place of peace, relaxation. It's a, it's a, it's breathing room. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. Watch this. For he who has entered his rest, his rest, has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. So we could say, for he who has access, his grace. Because rest, I'll show you here is a grace, or grace is a rest really, has also ceased from his works. So then verse 11 says, let us therefore be diligent. I want to say to access that grace. You see that? There remains a rest for the people of God. For he who has accessed this grace, now I know, I know what it says, I'm just trying to get you to see the understanding of this, has himself also ceased from his works. He stopped trying to fix it himself. Hallelujah. I said he stopped trying to fix it himself. And many of us, um, let me ask this question for some of you. I know men, this has probably happened. You might not want to admit it out in the open, but it's happened to me. When you try to fix something and you made it worse. Any of you ladies testify to you tried to fix something and made it worse? Hallelujah. Now, some of y'all ladies saying, I've never done that. I don't mean fixing a car made it worse, but you try to fix something, something with your mouth. I'm going to give so-and-so peace of my mind. I'm going to tell them how to, and you fix, trying to fix it, and you made it worse. Mm-hmm. Made the situation worse. For he who has entered his rest or accessed his, God's grace, has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest or access that grace. Does anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience? So we want to access his grace. Now, as I told you, grace is a rest. Grace is a rest. Okay? When you're resting... When you access grace, you're resting in the ability of God. Grace is a rest. Say it. Okay? When you access grace, you're resting in the ability of God. Thank you, Lord. I'm resting in the ability of God. Thank you, Lord. When, when, when you tried to fix the car and you made it worse and you finally take it to an a ASC certified mechanic and let them take over, you don't sit there looking over their shoulder. Oh, you, well, you need to do that. No, what? didn't you hire them? I said, didn't you hire them? So get out of the way, go sit down, drink your soda pop and apple juice something and shut up. Cross your legs and say, I know. All right, praise God. This is going to be, when it's done, 
It's going to be done right. When you access grace, you're resting in the ability of God. You get out of your own ability. You get your hands out of it. You stop messing it up. Worse than it already is. You allow God's grace to take over the situation. You allow his grace to fill you up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I told you this. I pray this when I come out. Before I come out, God, your word says you've made me competent to preach this gospel. I don't have the ability to preach the gospel. Paul says, says God, you count me worthy to put me in the ministry. God, you count me worthy to put me in, in the ministry. And he goes on to say that, God, you gave me, the, you made me an able minister of the New Testament. So my ability doesn't come from me. My ability comes from God. So if I come out here and I try to rest in my own ability, I got to say all the words right, and I got to make sure I conjugate right, and I got to make sure I, you know, do all the little. No, but when I rest in God's ability, he's going to operate and speak through me, and there are things you will hear that I didn't even say. Why? Because God's speaking through me. See? See? So you got to rest in his ability. All right, now, how do you get that? How do you get this grace? Hebrews 4.16 says the place to get this help, this grace, is the throne of grace. You see that? Come boldly to the throne of grace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, let, let, me, let me read it, what it says here. It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Boldly. Not humbly. Now, we should be humble, but come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help when? Now, let me ask this question. When, when do you have need? When? I need him in the morning. I need him in the afternoon. I need him at night. Supper time, breakfast time. When I go out, when I come in. We used to sing a song, I need thee, oh, I need thee every hour. I need thee, oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come. See? I come to him. That's humility. I come to him. I bow down and I come to you asking you for your help, Father, because this is beyond me. And even what, what we learn is that even the things that we think are not beyond us. Humility says, God, I'm giving it all to you. Because chances are, if I do it, I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to make a little problem a major issue. Hallelujah. So notice what it says here. Come boldly to the throne of grace. So grace up in time of need. So it doesn't matter what the need may be. There's a place for you to go. Grace, the throne of grace. It's like, you know how we have Home Depot. Right? You're supposed to be able to go there and get everything you need for your home. 
Pretty much everything that you all can think of, you can go there and get for your home at Home Depot. That's why they call it Home Depot. It's a place you can go get everything you need. Hallelujah. Toys R Us. Remember Toys R Us? You can go get any toy you dreamed of. It's just any. Right? Yeah. yeah, Amazon, you're right. So it's a throne of grace. It's a throne of grace. God's throne is a throne of grace. So it says, come there to obtain mercy. Come there to find, ta-da, grace. Grace to do what? To help. So in time of need, don't, don't come boldly to somebody else. It's, it's, just, it's just astounding how people go to God last. Lord, I'm, I'm coming to you. I have, Lord, I have no other choice but to come to you. Well, you, you know, listen. You show out like you had choices because you went to everybody else. And come, came to him as your last resort. Now when it's gotten so bad, you've done all your little magic, tried all your little tricks, and the problem isn't better, it's worse. Now, Lord. He's saying, listen, come to me from the very beginning. When you are in a time of need, come to me, and you will find grace to help. Praise the Lord. Look, put Hebrews 4.16 up in Amplified Classic, please. Hebrews 4.16. says this, let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us as sinners. Us sinners. Well, we, that, that's, Amplified really messed that up. Because we are not us sinners. We are not sinners. Am I right? We're not sinners. Okay, so this is, they blew that. Okay. Why? That we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time. Now, notice it didn't say in good times. Listen to what it says. In good time. For every need, meaning the appropriate help and well-timed help coming just when we need it. We used to say a song uh, all the time, he may not come when you want him, but he's right on time. He's an on-time God. Right? So notice again it says, Grace to help in good time. In good time. For every need. How many needs? For every need. Appropriate help. Appropriate help. Have you ever asked somebody for help and they gave you inappropriate help? They gave you help. That, that, ain't, that, ain't, what I was, that ain't what I wanted. That ain't, that ain't what I needed. That didn't, that didn't help me one bit. That ain't what I asked you. That ain't what I needed. But in the throne of grace, we're going to find appropriate help 
and well-timed help coming just when we need it. Y'all got it? So God knows what you need and when you need it. Catch that again. God knows what you need and when you need it. Implication is you and I don't know what we need. And we also don't know when we need it. We're just the ones under pressure who think we need it right now. We think we know what we need, and we think we need it right now. And God says, no, you don't know what you need, and you don't know when you need it. That's just the pressure talking to you. You're under pressure right now. You're facing a trial right now, a tribulation right now, and you think you know what you need. And, I, and God will tell you what you think you need isn't even what you need. But see, because you thought you needed it, you've been praying for that, and God's saying, I am not doing that. That ain't even what you need. I've been asking God to come through and do this for me. He's, he ain't doing it because that ain't what you need. That's just what you think you need. I'm not talking to anybody in this room tonight. That's just what you think you need. God, I, I'm in trouble. I need $50,000. And he said, that's not what you need. Because he knows if you don't, your mind ain't renewed, you'll blow that $50,000 and be in the same need next month. So he knows yeah, you have a $100,000 need next month. So he says, no, I, I'm going to give you the appropriate help, the well-timed help, Coming just when you need it. How many of y'all, I'm going just, to just, just survey you. I'm going to survey you. How many of y'all believe God is smarter than you are? Uh, anybody, some of y'all don't have your hands raised. Check your hand. Make, make sure they got their hand raised. If not, pop them in the eye. Got, pop, pop them right in the eye. Got to raise your hand. You know you're not smarter than God. God is smarter than you. He knows what you need, when you need, how you need it. That's right. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. Forsake your ways. Forsake your thoughts. Isaiah 55. So remember now, we're resting in him. We're resting in him. Okay? That that. And you look in the Greek, that word need, actually the phrase time of need, but the, the, the Greek only gives the word need here. It's the Greek word eukairos. Oh, some of y'all theologians know that's two words, you and kairos. We know kairos to mean the appropriate time, the right time, the opportune time. So when he brings, when he's, when you say, when it says he's going, uh, uh, he, he'll answer your time, your time of need, he's going to do it at the right time. I better come over here. He's going to come to your rescue at the right time. He's going to bring, meet that need at the right time. He has a, 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 an opportune time, the, the most optimum, that's what Cairo says, it's the most optimal time. For this to happen. 
eukairos, seasonable, timely, opportune. It's the it's the the best, the most. It's the right time. Simple, simple put. It's the right time. Somebody say the right time. You've been praying for over five years. God, I need you to need you to answer the, answer my prayer. He said, "Not there. I got I got the right time. I got the right time. I'm gonna do this for you." God, I feel like I've been struggling for a long time. You know, you're not, you're not, it's, you're okay. I've been giving you grace along the way, but I'm going to meet that need at the right time. And when I bring it, it's going to be exactly what you need. Exactly what you need at exactly the right time. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. I'm thankful that God is smarter than me. Compared to God, I'm an imbecile. I'm an idiot. He's the only wise God. Hallelujah. Now, when you're in a mess, when do you want the answer? In fact, if we could choose it, we would, we would rather, much rather be as soon as I'm going to the trial, as soon as this trial starts, as soon as this tribulation starts, as soon as this trouble starts, God, hey, hey, God, God, God. But God is a God of timing. And when, even when he, watch this, I'm going to show you something here in a minute. Even when he brings you out, he's trying to do more than just bring you out. He has a bigger plan than just bringing you out. Look at the book of Daniel again. The book of Daniel, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Chapter uh, 3, Daniel 3.21. I think I sent me to the wrong verse. Daniel 3. Verse 21. Hallelujah. Remember we talked about Daniel and the Hebrew boys in the fire furnace? Now Nebuchadnezzar, the king, who's a pagan king serving idol gods. In fact, he's built this nine-foot statue to himself. He's making everybody worship him. And he's got these Jewish boys, this whole Jewish nation, in his custody, in captivity, and mad because they're serving their real God. He wants them to stop serving the real God, stop serving their God, who he doesn't believe is the real God, and start serving him and his gods. Now, what happens? I told you that he's, he says, okay, those of you who don't bow down when, the, when you hear the sound of his music, you're going to be thrown in the fiery furnace. And what happened? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did not bow down. People came and told on them. People came and told, they're going to tell on you. They came and told on them. And, but here's the thing. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar liked these guys. He's like, I like those of my guys. Hey, what, what's the problem? He said, come on, talk to me. What, what's the issue? Why y'all not going to bow down? They said, King, we can't do it. This is, you know, we serve the true living God. Well, all of a sudden, the Bible says his countenance changed to him. He's like, okay, now listen. I'm, I'm, I, I, I like y'all, but when I say, when I say y'all bow down to my statue, you bow down to my statue. When, that, when you hear that music, y'all better get down. He said, fellas, turn that fire up seven times harder. What happened? They turned up seven times harder. Now, y'all got one more chance. They said, we don't care. You can turn up eight times. Ten, it don't matter. We're still not going to bow. 
God is able to, to deliver us and he will deliver us. What happened? They didn't bow when they heard the music. So then he's had these men come and grab them and now I want you to throw them into this fire. Watch what it says, verse 21. Then these men, this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fire furnace. Now, wouldn't you have loved it when you, if you're Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the moment he says, we're going we gonna, to we gonna throw you in, all of a sudden, God makes them disappear. All of a sudden, rain comes from heaven and puts the whole fire out. Before we get in the fire, before they bind us up, before they do anything, we go, we, God, we brag on our God. God is able and he will deliver us. They were thinking God's going to deliver us right now. How many of y'all th think that same thing? God's going to deliver me out right now. But nope, he let them get bound up. Okay, God, praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We pray we bound up. Time up. Okay, God. They walk over, they're walking to the fire because they're not standing right by the fire. They got to walk over to the fire and they're like, oh, I'm starting to feel that heat because it's seven times hotter. We know it's, it's very hot because the men, go to the next verse. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceeded hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So you know they feel like, whoa. It killed the ones who were carrying them. And they like, praise God. Look at boy, God is coming through. Now we know God's about to, he's about to deliver us, boy. And we, we're not even going to go through the fire. We ain't even going to go into it. God's going to deliver us right now. But he didn't. He knows exactly what you need and when you need it. Verse 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the fire of the burning fire furnace. Now they in it. <laughs> Wait a minute, Lord. We were bragging on you a minute ago. We were talking big talk out here. They fell down bound. Keep going, verse 24. Let's keep going. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound to the midst of the fire? They answered and said to, to the king, True, O king. Keep going. Look, he answered, I see four men loose. I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, the atheist heathen, is seeing the miracle working power of God in the worst possible scenario. Now, if they had just been delivered before, he would not have seen this. If God had answered them way when they first started bragging on him, the king would have never seen this. But because the king saw this, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fire furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of... Now, he didn't believe that five minutes ago. But when they got into the worst condition, the worst situation, now he sees the hand of God. They're in the worst situation. All of a sudden, now he says, the most high 
God. Come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. If you keep on reading, when they came out, they got promoted. They got promoted right on time. If God had done it earlier, when they wanted it, there would have been no promotion. God had to, had to make Nebuchadnezzar see something. My point to you is, you going through is bigger than just you. Well, you're saying God put me through? No, I'm not saying God's putting you through. The devil's the one putting you through, but just don't be surprised if he don't come when you want him. But he's always going to be right on time. You Kairos at a time of need. Oh, my. Okay, let me, let me read one more here. Let's, let's go one more and then we'll, we'll drop the rest of this here. Acts 12. Acts 12. Hallelujah. Acts 12, verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now, First of all, when Peter first saw him grab James and kill James, you know Peter was already praying, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. <laughs> Lord, if we ever needed you before, we need you right now. Stop by here, Lord. If you're, while you're passing out blessings, come by here, Lord. Somebody needs you, Lord. We're crying out for you, Lord, right now. You probably start, whom? oh, Lord. Stop by here. This morning, we need you, Lord. Crying out to you, Lord. Oh, Lord. I mean, it's, it's, getting, it's getting hot in there now. He said they seized Peter also. Now, it was during the days of unleavened bread. Now, if you know the days of unleavened bread, it, and he says in the next verse, in the next verse, he says he was going to kill him before the Passover, or after the Passover. This is a seven-day feast. So, day one, Peter's like, praise, Lord, Lord, I know you're coming through for me. Because if, if, you, know, if you know this story in Acts 12, all the way back in Acts 4, they had already been delivered from prison by angels. God had come through before. Peter's there in prison, and all of a sudden, the angel comes and says, Peter and John, get on out of here. Go back out there and preach. Yes. No fan, if I just get out, get out here and, and, and preach. So he's, I'm sure he's expecting, okay. You know, angel, last time, he's going to come. Verse 5, verse 5, verse 5. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him. By the, now, the church having a show enough prayer meeting. And when Herod was about to bring him out, when Herod was about to bring him out, now remember what, what is Herod going to do? He's going to kill him. Now Peter's got to be thinking, Lord, we're cutting this close, aren't we? We're really cutting this close because now, now Herod's going to bring him out. That night, here's Peter, 
grace. He's sleeping. That's rest. He's tapping into the grace. He knows that God will come through at the right time. And the right time may not be the most comfortable time. It may be the time I'm, I'm I mean, just, woo-wee, but it's going to be the right time. Peter was sleeping bound with two chains. Two chains. <laughs> I mean, was two chains. Between two soldiers and the guards before the door were, were keeping the prison. Keep going, please. Now, behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his, of his hands. Now, I'm not going to read the rest of the story, but you know what happens. He ends up going to the, to the place where the church was gathered there praying. Rhoda opens the door. She can't believe it's, it's him. Shut the door. No, that ain't really him. That's got to be a ghost, but it really was him. Now, Peter must have figured day one God was going to get him out. But no, God brought it at the right time. Now, what happens? The people, now, we don't, you don't have time to read it tonight, the rest of it, but you can read it later on. The people go on, and uh, Herod inquires of the soldiers' way what happened. The soldiers have no answer. He kills the soldiers. Peter didn't get killed. The soldiers got killed. Right? And then what happens? He gets up the next day, Herod, the next day, and now he's going to give a big speech. And he forgot that God had done something supernatural. He gave that speech and would not give God the glory. And the Bible said an angel, probably the same angel that brought Peter out, the same angel smote Herod. Bah! And he died from the inside out. Worms ate from the inside out. He died sitting right on the throne, making this great oration. People kept, kept saying, the voice of God and not of man, the voice of God and not of man. And the angel smote him. But Peter made it out just fine, didn't he? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, let me close right here. Let me close right here. Because, again, put up Hebrews 4, verse 16. Hebrews 4, verse 16 in the Amplified. And we'll close out here. Well, I'm going to give you one more verse, but I'm going to set it up with Hebrews 4.16. Again, it says, let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace. It says at the end, and find grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate help and well-timed help coming just when we need it. So notice this word again, this phrase appropriate help. So God knows how to give you the appropriate help. Just what you need. And the thing about it for us is we don't know the appropriate help. We can get caught up asking God to do this and do that and come over here and come over there and do this so forth, move this way, and it not be the appropriate help. But God has given us a resource. Here's the last verse, Romans 8.26. Romans 8.26. Romans 8.26. Watch this. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our what? Weaknesses. In our infirmities. In our deficiencies. I'm going through something here. I'm going through something. Well, guess what? When you're in a deficiency or weakness, he says the Holy Spirit will help you 
For, watch this, we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Oh, no, I know what to pray for. God, here's what I need. You do not know what to pray for as you are. You can spend your will seven days. You're going to fast 21 days praying, 21 days praying, asking God for the wrong thing, 21 days. Oh, come over here. Somebody help me. You can spend your wills. You're going to fast 40 days, no food, no water. 40 days, you'll be shriveled up, just skin and bones. 40 days, and spend 40 days praying the wrong thing. I'm petitioning God, petitioning God, petitioning God, asking him for something, and it's the wrong thing all the whole time. You spent 40 days doing that, or you could have spent 40 minutes praying in tongues. Because the Bible says that the Spirit helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Guess what? The Holy Ghost knows what you need. Hey, hey add two verses to that. Add 27, 28 for me. So the Holy Ghost knows what we need. Look at this, verse 27. Now he who searches the hearts who searches the hearts, knows, he knows the issue, knows what the mind of the spirit is. So God searches your heart. He knows what the mind of the spirit is. Because he, the Holy Spirit, makes intercession for the saints according to what? The will of God. What you're asking for, for your need, what you think you need, may not be the will of God. How come God ain't come through on that? Because you were asking something that wasn't his will. You can't, you can't, you can't trick God out of his will. You can't manipulate God to, to do something that's not his will. You can't even sow a seed to get God to go against his will. Sowing a seed for somebody else's husband. You can't get God to go against his will. I don't care what kind of vow you make. You're not going to get God to go against his will. See, but the Holy Ghost makes intercession for us according to the will of God. Now, that's what we want. We want the will of God. Am I right about it? I said, that's what we want. We want the will of God. Verse 28. Verse 28. And we know that all things, come on, work together for good to those who what? To those who are what? All things? All things. Well, what things are he talking about? The Holy Spirit doing his work. He's not talking about because a bus breaks down, that works together for your good. He's not talking about things in the world. He's talking about the things he's just gone over in Romans chapter 8. All these things here work together for your good. Because go back, put verse 26 back on the screen. Verse 26 back on the screen. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps in our infirmities. Likewise. Likewise means that earlier we read about some other things that were working to, working for us. So we get here in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps. So there are things that are helping. Romans 8, 14, they, they don't live by the Spirit of God. These are the sons of God. That's one of the things that causes things to work together. You being a son of God, being led by the Spirit, that's working together for your good. Now, you praying in the Holy Ghost and praying the perfect will of God for your life will that those things work together for your good. So when you are in need, when you have a deficiency, 
you can't figure it out, you can't work it out, good, because you're not supposed to. Tap into the grace of God. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in tongues. And let him pray on your behalf. The perfect will of God. Because when you do that, he's going to bring you exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. That's going to not only bring you out, but it's going to get him the glory. It's going to get him the honor. It's going to get him the praise in the earth. Amen. Amen. Do y'all receive that tonight? Well, come on, give God a big praise if you receive the word of God tonight. Thank God there is grace in time of need. Grace in time of need. Grace in time of need. Grace. God's ability at the perfect time. Nothing like a well-timed gift. A well-timed blessing. Hallelujah. Boy, that came right on time for me. Thank you, Lord. Stop being Mr. Fix-It. Stop being Mrs. Work-It-Out. Let God work it out. The reality of it is he's already worked it out. You just got to walk it out by grace. Amen. Whatever you need, whatever you are deficient, the Bible says God is able to make all grace abound towards you so that you will have all sufficiency for all things and abound to every good work. Hallelujah. The Bible says our sufficiency comes from God. Hallelujah. There's nothing in this life that you need, and I'm going to add this in so make sure you really understand this, nothing you desire that the grace of God can't accomplish. Grace will make up the difference. Did you just catch what I said? Grace will make up the difference. It's the ability of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you tonight for your word. Thank you for these, your people. I pray that, Lord, every heart has received the word of God tonight, that every eye has truly been opened, every ear has, has truly been opened to receive the word of God, and that, Lord, we will not persist in trying to work things out ourselves, that, Father, we will really be humble before you. Lord, you said, Lord, when we are humble, Lord, you'll give us grace. You said you give more grace. God, you give us enough grace to make up the difference in our lives wherever we're short, wherever we are deficient, whenever, wherever there's an insufficiency in our lives, wherever we even may feel inadequate. God, we thank you that, God, your grace makes up the difference. We say, even as Paul said, that by the grace of God, we are who we are. By the grace of God, I am what I am. God, thank you, Lord, that you're making us to be more than we have ever become, more than we are qualified to be, Lord. You have made us into something more. And God, we tap into that grace every day of our lives. I pray for this grace for husbands, grace for wives, grace for parents, grace for children, grace, Father, for uh, employers, entrepreneurs, grace for every teacher, grace, for every preacher of the gospel, grace, 
for every man and woman of God, grace for us, God. More grace, more grace, more grace to be bold, more grace to walk out in the gifts and the, and the callings, more grace to do all you've called us to do. Father, I pray that these, your precious people, would excel in this grace, in every grace, in every grace. That, Father, when you look down upon us, you won't be ashamed to be called our God, you won't be ashamed to be called our Father, because we're operating in the exceeding grace that you've deposited on the inside of us. Continue to bless us as a whole and bless each and every one of us individually. We continue to pray that and believe it so in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Give Father God a great